Well, good evening and welcome to Couch Potato Radio here on the mighty 790 and 104.7 KFG. But Sestos is good enough to be with us. Again, Derek Hansen with you. Paulie Lyons is producing and Sestos from Twins Daily. Hello, sir. How is your uh, very humid? I'm guessing it's very humid where you are, too. Yeah, no, over in Lakes Country. Uh, I, in fact, I smiled when I heard the weather and they said less humid. Yeah. Anything less humid was always positive. Yeah, I'm not. I, if I'm going to pick the extremes, I'll take this over what we had in January. I mean, there's just no doubt about that for me, anyway. But uh, it's a little, it's a little <laughs> sticky out there. There's no question. We we we, we uh, live in the land of extremes. That is for sure. It's amazing. For sure. Um. For sure. So first half grade. I mean, I think as Twins fans, and and I know a lot of stuff that you've written. Good. They're in first place. But then we get a little spoiled knowing a lot of games got away. What's your take on it, Seth? Yeah, it's one of those things where if, if you would have told us at the beginning of the year that they'd be in first place at the All-Star break, we'd all be thrilled. Um, but when they got off to such a good start, you know, it's okay to change expectations. And, and in doing so, you know, the, the series in uh, Cleveland was obviously a big one that they could have taken advantage of and put both Cleveland and the White Sox kind of out of contention, maybe made them sellers, and the whole thing looks different already. So... The fact that you know Cleveland and, and Chicago are still in it is is in part unfortunate, but at the same time, I mean, as a as a Twins fan, I mean, it feels almost disrespectful to, to think that those teams shouldn't be there. So right. they're good teams. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I think if, if it wasn't for the two Cleveland series, if they could have closed out some of those games, they probably wouldn't be in this situation. I mean, we all know what the problem is, right? I mean, it's it's no no secret. You see it night in and night out, and it's a lack of consistency with the pitching, especially the bullpen. Yeah, and, and really it goes a little deep. I mean, it seems like everything went well the first month and a half to two months of the season. The starters were were doing well for their four, five, six innings, and then the bullpen would come in, and you know whether, whether by luck or by talent, they were getting the job done, and then all of a sudden the bullpen kind of lost it, especially Emilio Pagan and... And then it was one guy after the next. And, you know, in the last three weeks, I would argue that the starters have not really done their job no, no. Uh, real often. So, I mean, it's it's a long season and you're going to have those stretches, but it just definitely feels like they've had those, um, I don't know, it's very distinct, those, those time frames. Does a guy like Devin Smeltzer who wants to be a starter – and at, at times looked like he could be. Is he? I mean, his career path just going to be a lefty that can go throw smoke for a couple innings out of the bullpen? Yeah, I mean, maybe. Um, the reality is he doesn't really profile as a as a bullpen guy because just doesn't have the velocity, doesn't really have the pitch mix to you know be what a prototypical bullpen guy. Now he could be a long reliever and pitch in blowouts. But, right. You know, I don't think any team's looking for that, but. Um, yeah, I mean, the reality is, is uh, you know, he's probably a sixth or seventh or eighth starter for an organization, meaning he's probably going to keep going back and forth in the minors or from team to team over at some point. But I mean, he's a great story, and what he's done over three years is, is inspirational to a lot of people. But, um, yeah, I, I hate to sound negative, but it's unfortunately the reality is kind of setting in on him. But I think that also shows where baseball, I think, may be getting out of its own way what you have to have. Because you mentioned the velocity. Well, you think of Eddie Guardado. I mean, he wasn't throwing 98 miles an hour, but he knew how to pitch. 
And I think if you got a guy like that who comes in for a couple of innings who can and teach him just how to pitch and, and get him out of jam sometimes, I think he could do a little bit of that. I think that's what's kind of aggravating with me when it, when it, we kind of talk about some of these things. Yeah, I mean, I just think that there's so much velocity in the game. What has made uh, Smeltzer successful is is that he is different, that he does uh, mix and match. And for him, because of the lack of velocity, he has to be pinpoint in his control and his command. And, uh, you know, that's that's eluded him the last uh, month or so. So, um, you know, could he do it? Maybe. I mean, I, I'm always convinced that any pitcher that's a good pitcher that has a strong mental um, mental part of the game um, can close. And, and that's what Eddie Guardado had. He didn't necessarily have the best stuff, but he had no fear and he believed in himself and he just knew that he would get the job done. Yeah. Made it interesting sometimes, that's for sure. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. But it, it, he, he was able to get it done. I think he gave a nice mix with Romero and Latroy Hawkins going into it. How about, I mean, is this a possible path for Archer? I mean, just I mean, you can't go four innings anyway, it seems. I mean, anything more than five for sure. I mean, it's a, is that maybe a career path he has to go down? Because you think about the Latroy Hawkins, the Aguilera's, I mean, so many guys who have been a starter and they go in the bullpen and they do a pretty good job. Yeah, and then that can work for a lot of guys. Uh, you know, the Twins aren't asking him to do any more than he's done so far this year, in large part because I think over the last two or three years, he's got a combined 18 innings coming into the season. So they came in with a very strong plan about making him a starter. But we have seen at times his velocity get up to 94, 95, even 96 maybe once or twice. Um, and if he's only doing one inning at a time, maybe he can do that and yeah. uh, you know air it out a little bit. Maybe maybe that's the path down the line. Seth Stowe's with us, Twins Daily. You can check out his stuff, twinsdaily.com. Derek Hansen with you, Couch Potato Radio on KFGO. Let me ask you, you know, obviously the bullpen's been talked about a lot. I've been kind of a guy who thinks that a guy like Joe Duran, maybe he's he's your one-inning guy to get a closer. Obviously, Rocco Badelli, he never mentioned Taylor Rogers was ever a closer. He likes to kind of mix and mash, maybe give these guys a couple of innings. What's your take on it? Do you think it's a mistake? I mean, because obviously it's just not working the way it has. I think there needs to be some defined roles with this bullpen. Yeah, that would help, but it would also help if you had more than two guys that you really trusted at the end of the games. And right now, in my opinion, the only guys you can truly trust are Duran and Jack. So they're going to be put into the most difficult situations. And, and that's... For me, that's what I would want. Uh, we saw a couple situations where Jax came in in the fifth or sixth inning because the other teams, say, two, three, four, or five hitters were coming up, and that's who you want to pitch against that group. And then Duran, you know, we've seen him pitch in the eighth inning you know, against the White Sox. He came in and had to face, I might be wrong here, but like Anderson and Vaughn and Abreu and and that group. So, I mean, I, I believe in going with the matchups, whether it's lefty righty, or it's just putting your best guys against the other team's best guys in, in those situations. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think Emilio Pagan is going to be better, whether he's pitching in the eighth or ninth or sixth. Um, and Jarrell cotton, I mean, Caleb field bar, these are all guys that have gotten big outs in the ninth inning and struggled in the 5th, 6th, 8th, ninth innings as well. So um, I think you just try to put guys in situations and in matchups against the opponents that, that make the most sense. I, 
you know, would it be great if they had five guys that were able to fit the very clear, very defined role and were very good at it? That'd be fantastic. Like you said earlier, when you had Gordado closing, you had Hawkins and Romero and, and Wandering Cone and Jesse Crane and, you know, or Joe Nathan was involved in there too. I mean, when you had those guys, you didn't have to worry too much after the sixth inning. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, it, just the way things are playing out with how that is. Uh, and, and I wasn't a big fan of the Taylor Rogers trade. What was your take before? Because I, I didn't like it at the time. I just liked Rogers too much. I understood the control thing, but I think he's also the type of guy you want to lock up for a while. Yeah, um, it was a tough one. I, I understand the trade. I like the trade in the sense of of team control, and obviously a big part of that was trying to keep Paddock healthy um, because if he's healthy, this team looks a lot different in the starting rotation. I thought the timing was really weird with it happening on, on the day before the Twins opening day. Um, that couldn't have helped, and, uh, you know, it's just – and then you think about it, at that time, we didn't know what Jax would do. We didn't know what Duran would do. Uh, we had hopes in Pagan, but, you know, there were just too many questions in the bullpen. And, and that's how it's really hard to get rid of the one guy you could rely on most of the time. Yeah, it, it's really kind of crazy just how that all played out. I, I, but, you know, now, now it's it wasn't hindsight 2020 for me, and, and I, I just hope that they – you kind of learn from that mistake because for all the good moves they made, that one's just kind of a black cloud hanging over him, isn't it? It just felt forced, maybe. I don't know if, that, if that's the way to put it, but obviously it was a good move for San Diego. They needed a guy at the back end. And I mean, ultimately, Rogers has been good. I mean, he's probably an all star. I don't know if he's an all star or not, but, um, you know, he's he's been a good closer. He's, you know, if you look at his win probability average, uh, Added, it's it's actually negative. So I mean, he's been good. He hasn't been great, and uh, I just liked him because he was a guy. He was a stabilizing force, a guy that you knew that would be strong, whether going against lefties in the eighth or ninth inning. Yeah, it's it's certainly a, a guy that you want to keep in. I just I, I didn't like that move at all. So in the effort to maybe go out and get uh, another reliever, part of your niche at Twins Daily Sestos is minor leaguers. Anyone that you would not give up, anyone that you wouldn't touch and who's out there that you'd want. I mean, because it's going to be, a, I mean, literally an arms race coming up to July 31st here. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna have to be, and the Twins are going to have to make some moves. Um, you know, I'm one who would believe that you don't give up your top prospects for relief pitchers, you know, guys that are probably, you know, going to throw 25 innings down the stretch. You know, I mean, you hear names like Trevor Larnick or Jose Miranda being mentioned in trades for a relief pitcher. I don't care how good that reliever is. You don't give up that type of everyday player. That said, I mean, if you're going to go out and get a, a great closer, say like uh, David Bednar from from Pittsburgh, and he's got four, four or five years of team control left, you're going to have to give up a package. And you're probably talking at least one top 10 prospect. And the Twins have a strong farm system and and guys that have just come up and graduated. So they can compete with anyone when it comes to that. But, uh, I mean, Derek Falvey's role of a big picture view, he has to look beyond just this year. And I think that uh, you just don't give up that kind of talent. No, I agree. It's, but you got to find a. It's it's so hard, and, and you know the Twins have just never been a team to trade away a lot of prospects either. 
Right. Um, you know, at the same time, they've traded, you know, Gratterall and the Kenta Maeda deal. So mm-hmm. it's not like they won't trade a prospect. They aren't, they just aren't going to overpay. Um, you know, even though I think sometimes we, as fans, like them to just say, I don't care about next year or three years from now. I want to win right now. And that kind of was the Matt Caps, Wilson Ramos trade, which did help the Twins that one year. Uh, but Wilson Ramos obviously went on to be a 10-year very good catcher. Right. Yeah, and when they needed him most, when Maurer no longer could play catcher, right. too. Yeah, it's a very right. good point. absolutely. Uh, final thing for Sestos from Twins Daily, twinsdaily.com. Derek Hansen with you here on KFGO's Couch Potato Radio. Uh, looking at just kind of how this is all playing out, I mean, Carlos Correa, you know, we, we know his situation. He can opt out. I mean, it's going to be a pretty crucial run here not to fall apart, and I don't know if Derek and Falvey and uh, Falvey are going to trade away a bunch of players if they get four games behind like they did a few years ago, but uh, that's certainly going to be an interesting thing to watch here because that's a big factor with with this team sitting there and Royce Lewis out hurt. I mean, they need to keep him around to be successful if they want to make any noise in October at all. Yeah, and I think, I mean, they're not going to trade him. I know that some people want think about that even if they fall behind or or that kind of thing but you know anytime you've got a lineup that starts with Luis Arise, Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton, Jorge Polanco and now you're adding Kirilov and Miranda to that you're gonna you're gonna have a chance so I mean I, I just don't think there's any reason that the front office should give up on this team uh, that said they do have to do work they do have to go out and whether it's you know giving up your number nine and 15 and 22 prospects for a, uh, you know, quality relief pitcher that you can rely on most of the time. They're just going to have to do it. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's really, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch here, how this all plays out and who's going to be buyers and sellers. And that always is fun. I tell you what, Seth, this has always been fun. We'll have to do it again very soon. I know you'll be uh, joining, I'm sure, Tyler Axis throughout the weeks whenever it does work out. And we'll check out your stuff during this all-star break here on twinsdaily.com. I appreciate it. We've got a ton there lately. So yeah. uh, thank you very much for having me, and have a great night. Yeah, you too. Seth Stowe is with us, a frequent guest here on Couch Potato Radio and all of our shows here on KFGO. Derek Hansen with you, Polly Lines, 237-5948. If you want to join us, you can text us, 35270. I'm going to play back a little portion of Saturday afternoon's game with uh, Jim Cott in the booth with uh, – Corey Provis and Dan Gladden talking about pitching. We'll do that, and then we'll kind of kick off KFGO today early because a little baseball theme to it. Dave St. Peter on with the KFGO Morning Crew. Couch Potato Radio, KFGO.